For all the talk at guard line, what really matters is Lowry Markkinen. We'll talk about it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider today. We look at Lowry Markin's dominating performance against Portland. And remember, that's what this really is all about. Will Hardy managing, using, changing, finding creatively, coming up with some really interesting lineups that might be some answers for the Utah Jazz. Jordan Clarkson gets inserted in the starting lineup. Is that a better answer than what we've seen so far? We'll look at some of the combinations that the Jazz played together in that matchup against the Portland Trailblazers, which the Jazz were really good. And we play the New Zealand Breakers. Who are the New Zealand Breakers? We'll take a quick look at that for you uh, as well. That's all coming up on today's show. As I mentioned, I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's a daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms, including YouTube. So please subscribe. We do love our five-star reviews. We're not going to lie to you about that. We super appreciate it. If you can do that on Apple or Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. And our YouTube question of the day is what was most impressive to you about the win over the Portland Trailblazers. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. What was most impressive to me, there's no doubt, and that was Lowry Marketing. He was flat out dominant. Uh, And I tell you what, um, I think that you have to, at time, we've talked about so many things and so many guard line questions and so many of this. And, and, and I had a great conversation with Tim Lacombe, our analyst on, uh, for pregame halftime postgame on radio. Like we're odd. That was the way he said it. I loved it. We're odd. And it's a little hard to figure out who we are and what we're doing and, and how it's all going to play together and how it's going to work. And, and who fits where, and we got all these guards, and they all kind of intermix, and we're all trying to choose our favorites, and how we think, it comes down to Lowry. Like, if Lowry is as good as he was last year, then we're pretty good. And if Lowry's better, which I thought at times against Portland, he just absolutely dominated and crushed them, then... That gets interesting. And I've said all year long that I think there's four breakout candidates in the NBA this year. Nicky Edwards talked about one. Um, LaMelo Ball, to me, is another. I don't know how Donovan gets better than he did last year. but he. And when I mean breakout, what I mean is the guy, not like Anthony Simon's breakout. I mean like what Shea Gilgis-Alexander did last year. Not Cade Cunningham. The NBA GAMs took Cade Cunningham as their breakout. He's a number one pick who took a break, who got hurt. Like, that's not a breakout. The GM survey sometimes indicts the GMs. I'm talking about somebody who goes from 
the realm that they're ranked in the NBA and takes it to the next level. So right now, if you look at NBA rank, like Lowry's 27 and LaMelo's like 36 and Anthony Edwards is up a little higher than he probably should be. And Donovan, and it's those players that have a chance to go to where Shea went. Shea's top 10 on NBA rank right now. So to me, Lowry's one of those guys. He does it with increased confidence knowing that he's the man coming in from the year before. He does it with an understanding, as Thurl pointed out on the TV broadcast the other night, an understanding of all of the guys around him understanding he's the man. Last year was such a blank slate, nobody really knew. It took till this moment during the season where Will Hardy in the middle of a film session like hits pause and is like, does everybody understand Lowry's our best player? And Lowry heard that. And Lowry's never had someone say that about him before. Lowry's never had that be the case. So you take those two mental things, the confidence, the belief of everyone around him, and then you take some physical things. Okay, he's physically just remarkable. Like, again, during the TV broadcast the other night, you know, Thurl says, well, there's not many seven-footers who can do that. I was like, how many others? And it's... How many other seven-footers can put it on the deck, drive into the lane, bang off somebody, hang in the air, and finish? Like, the player that's most similar to Lowry in a lot of ways is Kevin Durant. Durant's shooting touch is better, but Lowry's is not like he shot 40% from three last year. It's like, it's not it's not an insane... I know it sounds crazy because he's Kevin Durant, but and, and so, but Durant can do... Some things Lowry can't do, and Lowry can do some things that Kevin Durant can't do. What Kevin Durant can do that Lowry can't do is Kevin Durant just puts it on the deck, creates his own space, steps back into a J for 29 a night. Lowry's got to use a little bit more force and power. But if you just go to three-point shooting for a second, so just pure shooting touch, on five three-point attempts last year, Kevin Durant shot 40%. On five three-point shot attempts, he shot 40%. Lowry last year on eight three-point attempts a game shot 39%. The shooting between the two of them is not crazy different. What is is Durant's ability to get into his bag in the mid-range and hit that eight that 15-foot jumper to that 18-foot jumper. That's that's what separates Durant and makes him a bona fide go-to scorer in the league. Now, can that's the question. At 7-1, there's no reason why Lowry can't actually add that. And so does he. Durant on 10 to 16 footers shot 53% and on incredibly on 16 footers uh, from 16 to three point range, Durant shoots 54%. So Durant shoots 55% or so on these 10 to foot to three point line mid-range jumpers. And he takes 47% of his shots there. It's a lot. Now, he's great at it. Lowry doesn't need to take 47% of his shots there because Lowry has a much better game of going to the rim and is able to get on top of the cup in a way that Durant doesn't have any interest in doing, nor after his injuries do I think he can do. What's subtly interesting about Lowry last year is from 10 to 16 feet, he shot 52%. And from 16 
to feet to the three-point line, he shot 45%. Now, he only does it 9% of the time. I don't know that I want him to do it that much more, but let's say he does it 15% of the time, adds it up and makes 50% of those shots, he's suddenly unguardable. And I don't think there's any reason why he can't do that. I don't want him to, like, he doesn't need to be a mid-range maven the way Booker and Durant are, though, frankly, in the playoffs, you're probably going to need some of that. He scored in so many different ways last the other night. If you go run through on NBA TV, on NBA.com, you can go to his account and you can go get his nine field goal attempts. You have two cutters early in the game. You have a jump, then some jump shots. Then Shaden Sharp, for whatever reason, leaves him wide open from three and he buries it. Then he puts back on an offensive rebound, which Durant's not doing. Like, I think Lowry can average 29, 30 points a game is what I'm trying to get at him. And the Jazz are using him in so many different facets. Some ISO, mostly coming off pins, mostly curling, using that strength, having an advantage, knock down dead eye shooting, and there's going to be an occasional this year, give him the ball. And if Lowry takes the jump, that's actually what matters. Jordan Clarkson started, it felt and looked great. We'll talk about that when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located in in uh, Woods Cross, as well as in Logan. The Chevy lineup of cars, it's just really not much else like it, right? You've got the SUV lineup, but really you got the Colorado and the Silverado truck. And it is truck season coming into the winter and through the fall right now. So make sure you jump on some of the great deals that are going on at Murdoch Chevy. The SUV lineups are great. The new Chevy Trax is sweet looking. The Blazer's awesome. I think I told you we were in Hawaii and I was like, whoa, what's that? Oh, it's a Blazer. And you can get 0% for three years and no payments for 90 days on various trucks and cars over at Murdoch Chevy, plus two ski passes with the purchase of any new Chevy to Solitude Ski Resort. So I will see you there. It is all at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, out in Logan. Feel free to email me first and get you your VIP experience that you need and deserve as an everydayer on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. It's time to get out to the games, see the Jazz, see an NFL game, see a concert, last-minute tickets. Game Time is your answer. You should not have to worry ever again about buying tickets for the next big event. Game Time is fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, concerts, theater, whatever it is. With killer last-minute deals, guaranteed best price, Game Time, and view of all your seats, Game Time takes care of everything you worry about in ticket buying. Last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals are all there for you. But what I love is you get the pictures of the seats. You get, you know it's going to be guaranteed best price because otherwise you're getting 110% back. And you have cancellation, event cancellation protection as well. That's all at the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account. Redeem code. Spell out LOCKEDONNBA for $20. Download the Game Time app. Last-minute chick- tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps, including our good friends over at YouTube. Um, I got a neat experience, unfortunate circumstances, but a neat experience this weekend, and I I did TV. Um, And I will be doing it again tonight. Craig's dealing with some family issues. So first and foremost, um, our thoughts to the Bullard Jack family. Um, That is a tight, tight tight-knit family, and uh, feeling for them. Uh, so 
few thoughts for you. One, did you get Jazz Plus? My wife took Jazz Plus, put it up on the Roku that we have in the house, and literally just streamed the game through there. Seamless, incredible, great experience. It's just $125 a season and 50 cents a season. So it's less than $1.50 a game. I think you still get a ticket, uh, two tickets to an upcoming game, a hat, and a T-shirt. So it's like basically free. But so, yeah, there's a Roku app if you have Roku. If you don't have Roku, it's pretty cool. Um you also can get it all in KJazz, but uh, Jazz Plus is available, and there's a fun shooting with Tony Finau, uh, video now on Jazz Plus exclusive, all sorts of stuff. Second, so please get your Jazz Plus. I'll be back on tonight, so tune in. Second thing, you guys are super lucky. Um, I think you should listen to the radio every single night because Ron and I have a great time. But um, they win Emmys every year. It's like guaranteed that Travis Henderson, Jeremy Brunner, Scott Rogers, Nathan Harker, and the crew is going to win an Emmy every year. Like, it's amazing. And I learned why. They're incredible. Um, It was, first of all, I had not done TV in, I don't think I'd done TV since I moved to Salt Lake. So I hadn't done TV since I did Washington Huskies basketball and football. I actually think it could have been an oxygen broadcast on the WNBA playoff game with Rebecca Lobo. Um. And they just walked me through the night, like made it so easy and so incredible. And you guys as fans are so, you never think about the TV production guys, but they're the ones who actually impact your life the most as a fan. If you're watching the team, you're so lucky to have who you have running it. Their names are Travis Henderson, Jeremy Brunner, Scott Rogers does the graphic, Nathan Harker, Joe Kruger works a lot. I don't know who was on what's called the Elvis, which is the replay machine, but he was amazing. Um, so anyway, you guys are just super, super lucky to have that. Um, and, uh, just, you know, really it was a, it was a cool thrill and to work with Thurl, who's the best was really neat. So I'll be doing it again tonight against New Zealand breakers and then bowler. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm expecting bowler to be back by opening night. Um, maybe even by Sacramento. I'd hope not. I hope it just takes some time. So, um, anyway, uh, thoughts to the bowler jacks. Incredible experience to work with these guys. And uh, Carrie Bullock is in there too. She does amazing work. Um, They did their whole new graphics package this year. It looks incredible. But anyway, it's just not a group you guys think about a lot. I have never worked with them directly like that. I see them work all the time and always wowed. It was just really, really cool. All right, Jordan Clarkson started. I think it's the answer. And the interesting thing about it is because he's the second best passer on the team. What an incredible statement about the growth of Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson just made a ton of plays early in this game that our other guys, frankly, aren't making. And we got, if you go back and look at the first quarter and rewatch it, we get a bunch of corner threes because Jordan Clarkson can penetrate the lane with his eyes up and his ability to end up getting a bunch of looks off of Jordan Clarkson's actions. But frankly, that's not, if Colin Sexton's starting, that's not his strength. It's not entirely Talon's either. But JC had three assists in the first quarter that summarize why I think actually you put him in the starting line. The other thing I just say about starting lines, we'll talk about this more this week because this is on my topics. Start your five best players. Don't get confused. There's very, very few lineups that actually play together for an extended period of time in the game. And your starting lineup is generally guaranteed to play at least 12 minutes together, maybe 10. No other five-man lineup is going to play 10 minutes together at all. So 
Like, play your five best players. And Jordan's one of our five best players. He's their second best player. His passing skills, he went from 2.4 assists to nearly five last year, are why he has to start. He just makes us so much better and his control and calmness. When he penetrates the lane, he knows he, he knows where the options are. He understands it. He's gravity. People are concerned about him. He's not driving the lane, jump stopping, and then deciding, which is what we see too often from some others. So Jordan's passing early, whether it was a pass to the corner for a three or just a rotation out to find Lowry. There was a fast break play where he found Lowry intentionally, like Lowry's rolling a little bit. Let me go get it to Lowry. There was just a a total understanding by Jordan Clarkson of how to play the game the other night that is just at a different level than anyone else and just makes the offense work, whether it's in transition or in the half court. And it just, I thought it was really obvious the other night. Now, Portland's not the Clippers and they're not Paul George, Robert Covington and um, Kawhi Leonard and their depth and nor are the New Zealand breakers, frankly. Um, But I think you could just feel it and see what Jordan did to the lineup. And that really helped. The structure was much more in tune when Jordan was there. What Will, according to Colin um, and Jordan in the press conferences the other day, Will has changed the offense in two regards. One, in some spacing things that I'm not quite sure I understand. And two, every coach talks about running. But the truth in the NBA, or at least for the Jazz last year and the NBA, is that the Jazz ran 10 times a night off of misses. And they ran 14, they had 14 transition opportunities a night last year. Okay? Actually, take that back. Depending on your metric, it's either 14 or 15.5. The Jazz ranked 23rd in the NBA in transition last year. Why? Because they didn't turn the forced turnovers in the second half of the season, so they didn't get out and run on turnovers. It's not because they didn't run off. You don't run off of makes. Chauncey Billups told us the other night that on push-ahead passes, which you hear coaches talk about, there's four or five a game. That's it. He'd like to have seven or eight. So last year, off of a rebound, the Jazz got 10 transition opportunities off of a rebound last year. Off it, Somebody misses, and they turned it into transition 10. The, the best in the league was 12. It's just not that many tra- possessions. So there's, yes, that's a focus. But there's a renewed focus on let's get into the half court and let's get into structure and let's run something correctly. And in the first quarter of the game the other night against Portland, we saw it. Guys came off curls. John Collins and Lowry got curls into the paint. They they spread the floor better to give – Will said pregame he wanted to spread the floor better to give his guards some driving lanes. We absolutely saw them Clarkson and get into the lane. We saw THT get into the lane. We saw a lot of difference in how the Jazz were playing and a level of structure, and I think Jordan's a large part of it. It also allows the Jazz to do some other things and some other combinations that we haven't seen before that are really interesting. I'll get into here in a second. We're not going to do points game today. Uh, just there's too much good stuff, and we'll do it Tuesday, Wednesday this week, or Wednesday, Thursday this week. And there's a lot of debate about points game, so it needs some time. It needs it needs a little texture. So. We'll get into the combinations here in a second, but the real thing we got to see was the Jazz actually run their stuff, and Will Hardy's running interesting, exciting things. This is not a pick-and-roll team. 
We talked about it the other day for the everydayers in our numbers matchup of like numbers. Like if we go back to it on isolation numbers last year um, and off picks, like a bunch of our guys, almost all of our guys are better in isolation than they are in picks. Right. If we run down it, like Sexton's a 1.15 on isolation, just 0.99 on picks. THT is a 0.9 on isolation, 0.9 on picks. Chris Dunn was a 1.39 on isolation, 1.01 on picks. Clarkson's about 1.04 on both. Our guys are better just driving to the basket than they are bringing a seven-footer up to set a pick. So space the floor, get the positioning right, get it done, and let these guys get in the lane and drive. And then kick out to our shooters. Clarkson was brilliant at it the other night. THT is really, really good at it. Collins best when he's off the ball using a superpower. And he was terrific in the second half after a somewhat shaky first half and saw a bunch of great plays in the second half out of him. And some of this is because of the combinations that are on the floor. So we'll do that for you as well as taking a look at uh, the New Zealand breakers. So if you're a big enough fan to be listening to this show and you're going to watch the game against the New Zealand breakers and, and watch me try to do TV again, um, or listen to Scotty G and Ron. That's fine. Um, Scotty G, from all reports, did a fabulous job. I did not hear it, but I actually don't doubt it. I listen to his Utah State stuff a lot, and he's really, really good. So um, not surprising. Um, it's funny. I find it surprising if I did all right, but I don't find it surprising if Scotty did. It's funny how our minds work, personally. Um, anyway, uh, so that'll be tonight. And I'll give you a little bit of the breakers, just a short, short, short. Don't worry. Not a lot of breaker stuff, but I will have that for you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The BetterHelp uh, is a online-based therapy uh, company. It's it's kind of a great concept, right? Because in I don't know if anyone's tried to find a therapist recently, but it's like impossible. Um, and so how do you make your brain get out of its own way? Think of therapy as performance enhancing. How do I get better and use my brain better than I am right now? How do I navigate some of the items that make me who I am in a positive way? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. Performance enhancing. So therapy allows you to kind of free yourself, understand yourself, think about what you might be able to improve yourself. And BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Great. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So not only is it not impossible to find one, you can switch if you don't vibe with the person you get to start. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA and get 10% off your first month. So that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. To the everydayers, you're awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Everybody's walking by me. Everydayer, love it. You'll get me a stop in my tracks every time. It means a ton to me. I, I fully get, like, if you're really an everydayer and we're really spending two and a half hours a week together, you and I are like best friends. Because I don't spend two and a half hours with anyone other than Ron Boone. And he's my best friend. So he doesn't know that. But um, so truly, like, really, really appreciate you. 
Um, so yeah, uh, one security guy the other day walking through the arena, he's like, I'm every day. I was like, awesome. Now that was at the end of the night and I didn't stop totally dead in my tracks because I was exhausted having just tried to do TV. All right. Combinations. So we start Clarkson with THT, um, Lowry, who was dominant, Collins, who looked more comfortable and Walker. And the first substitution was Kelly Olenek at the 720 mark. Okay. So now you're playing, this is pretty cool. Now you're playing five out. Really, because Alina can shoot the three. You've got Kessler. You've got Collins, who's shooting it okay right now. With Taylor Horton Tucker and with Jordan Clarkson. That's, you're just going to have to be able to rebound. Kelly's just not a good rebounder, but Lowry's a good rim defender. The next substitution, which came a minute later, was Colin Sexton for Taylor Horton Tucker. So we're suddenly playing Jordan Clarkson with Colin Sexton together, which I didn't think we could do. A bunch of people have told me we could. I've been saying that every day. have heard me say that. I actually like it in this lineup. Why? Because it Collins is in one corner. Linick is pulled to the top. Markinen's got incredible gravity. Sexton and Jordan can just drive. And so can everyone else. Markinen got a cutting dunk off an Linick pass on the first possession and a foul. Sexton got a running layup off a Clarkson assist on the next possession. Lowry got fouled the next possession. Collins got fouled the next possession after that. Sexton got fouled on a drive on the possession after that. Lowry hit a 10-footer. We scored on five straight possessions, six straight possessions when we went to this lineup. Collins missed a 26-footer. That's going to happen. Then we got another foul. That lineup rolled. It's interesting. How do you use... This is where Will Hardy is just suddenly showing his incredible acumen. How do you use these guys? How do you get the best out of them? Tried Colin and THT together. Didn't 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 feel right. Put Jordan in there. Suddenly you're using Jordan's passing, his knowledge, his expertise, his veteran, his savvy. Felt right. Portland feels better than the Clippers. Let's be a little careful. New Zealand's going to feel better than. No question. New Zealand's going to feel better than. Um, than any of them, right? And Sacramento's not good defensively either. So hey, we'll we'll see when we start playing. You know, but felt better. Well, then how do you use Colin as a driver off the ball predominantly? Okay, then let him play with Jordan and open him up and play him five out so he's not playing with Collins and Kessler at the same time when there's not very much room on the floor. So then the next substitution was really interesting. Then Will Hardy went to a new grouping we've never seen before, which was Kessler at center with four guards. Chris Dunn, Keontae, Sexton, Abaji. I've said this whole time, I thought we were playing nine, not 10. And I didn't, and so we're playing three big men and we're playing Abaji's the backup there and then we're playing four guards. That I think gets you to 10 or it gets you to nine, right? Four guards, two, six, plus three, nine. This is, this is how it happens. But this is interesting because this suddenly lets you play five guards because you're now playing Chris Dunn and Keontae, and no one's left out. This lineup's going to have to rebound. It took a little while for it to find itself. It scored on only one of its first four possessions, and that was a, a Kessler basket. It can run. It should be able to be switchable defensively. It should be able to do some interesting things. Kessler had a beautiful pass to the corner to Keontae. The Jazz lived in the corners. Abaji used the open floor to get a nice driving layup. They just didn't make a lot of shots in this group until they finally got out and rolling a little bit midway through the second quarter. 
and stretched it out to a 10-point lead. They played for a long time together. And then at the 7, they played about five minutes together, which is really long. And then Lowry came back for Keontae, Clarkson came back for Dunn, and you started to work your way. Alinek came back for Kessler, and now you started working your way back to the starting lineup, but with Alinek instead of Kessler, so you're back to the five out. And so you're using a lot of the Kessler minutes as a rim defender with four guards against backup centers. Like it. Might be what's best for Walker. You're also allowing Kelly to play as a ball mover in this second lineup. So now you have Horton Tucker back out on the floor. You have Abaji, Clarkson, Markinen, and Olenek. That's pretty interesting. Just for a really brief period of time, but that one's interesting. That one, again, you're going to have to rebound and rim defend, and Kelly gets put into the pick and roll as a, as a defensive center. He's not great at it. And then finally, Collins comes in for Abaji. And then in this case, Sexton came in for Horton Tucker for with 536 left. And so it was back to Clarkson and Sexton with marketing Collins, and Alinek to close out most of that quarter. And Walker with a minute 40 left came back in for the defensive purposes. That grouping was not great, actually. Um, I think they came in, we were up 12. And by the time Walker came in, um, we were, oh, we were still up 10. Okay, so it just didn't feel, it wasn't as smooth. Defensively, it was actually really good. Um, We just miss, you know, also miss shots can skew how you feel about things. So really interesting combinations from Will. All right, few notes. New Zealand's got two pesky guards. They're a guard-heavy team. There's a kid who played at Arizona. His name's Parker Jackson Cartwright. He's 5'11". He's uh, scored 20 in his NBL, uh, 25 and 20 in his NBL debut. He's he's 5'11". He'll just get up underneath you. He's a top 100 prospect out of California um, and played at Arizona. He's just going to be pestering our ball handler the whole night. So it'll be a really good test for whoever, like, and our ball handlers are not like the cleanest ball handlers. There are other guys in the name, Will McDonald, McDowell White. He's 6'5". He's Australian. He played at Fresno State. And he's going to kind of penetrate and shoot this floater. They got in the lane a lot on Portland. Those are their kind of two primary guard line guys. Um, they did not shoot the ball well against Portland. They shot 30% and 16% from three. I think their three-point line is different. They were 6 of 38 from three. Um, there's a guy named Zylan Cheatham. Cheatham who played for the Stars. He averaged 16 and 11 for the Stars, who's also in their starting lineup. Anthony Lamb, former Warrior of last year, is on that roster. But they they run nice stuff, and they play defense with intention. And so that will be a really good setup for the Jazz. You'll watch. Like, Jackson Cartwright is pushing the guard in a direction, forcing, he's in your shorts, forcing you out of your natural flow of your offense. They, they, they're trying to do specific things to you defensively. Um, so the Jazz will have to learn how to react off that, which will which will be good practice for them. They've got a kid who comes off the bench, Cameron Glidian, another Australian kid. He's their sharpshooter. He didn't make any of them. Um, the other night he's 0 for 3 from 3. And then there's a kid named Dane Pinu who led the league in, in uh, field goal percentage. And then they'll start a big center, 6'10", Sudanese kid, uh, Mathiang, who played on the 2013 Louisville National Championship. Teams played about 44 NBA games. All right, that is the crew. That is the show. That is Locked on Jazz. We'll do reaction to the game and points gained for you tomorrow. Have a great one. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon.